what's happening, uh, beautiful people in podcast land. Excited to be back with another show today with another guest that I've stood up a couple times. So it's good to it's good to have Ash on the show. How are you, mate? Good, brother. How are you going? Yeah, good, good. Now we say Ash Grunwald. Uh, Grunwald, have I got that right? Grunwald. I say Grunwald. Everybody else says Ash Grunwald. <laughs> awesome, man. So, awesome. I don't really care. Now, um, some of you guys might have heard him in a different um, kind of frame, I guess, through his wonderful music. Um, but today we're going to be talking about his story and journey with alcohol, um, amongst other things. Um, how do you go with this stuff? Do you do much of this, like where you tell your story and, and things like that, or you kind of backed it off a little bit? Or Hey, really quick one, guys. Are you or somebody you love struggling with alcohol and drugs and the support that you're looking for, you're just not quite connecting with the traditional approaches? We might be able to help. We do things a little bit differently with a unique delivery method and unique program. Um, we actually help people to get off alcohol and drugs without having to go to rehab. Um, it's called Connection Based Living, links to book in a call um, just to have a chat with us and explore, you know, whether we might be the right fit for you or the options that you might want to take in, in your journey to get healing and, and recovery and that kind of thing. Um, links below for that um, Connection Based Living. Um, we help people to get off alcohol and drugs without going to rehab and do things a little bit differently. Um, hope to chat to you on the phone if that is the case. And let's jump back into the show. Um, I did a fair bit of it. I actually wrote a book and um, it it ended up in that book a fair bit because coincidentally when I was writing the book is the first year that we took off. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, I guess, going back six years. And so I on that tour, I ended up talking about it, but I didn't mean that to become a whole sobriety thing, but it was just part of my rebuilding and I guess my midlife crisis. So that, that ended up in yeah. it a little bit. But, you know, generally I don't talk about it that much probably because I still play to rooms full of pissheads at times. <laughs> um, and, you know, like I'm I'm playing live music the whole time. So, yeah. and people are, my music's kind of like party music too. So, um, yeah. and I like people partying to my music. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> so I, I, I spend a lot of time not judging what other people are up to. Yeah, that's, that's about, interesting. It's interesting. Know? It's cool because most people get a bit um, what's the word? Including myself, or I used. I feel like I used to be like that. Um, evangelical is that the word? You know, like just a bit like preachy about the whole thing. Yeah. That's what happened to me because you have such a huge experience. Yeah, you passionate about it, don't you? You know, um, what's your book called? Oh, I I frothed hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called Surf by Day, Jam by Night. Awesome. Yeah, I, I loved my, especially my first year of sobriety. And you'll hear the froth. You'll 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 bring the froth back to me. Um, <laughs> but it's it's good for me because, like, imagine if you're if you're a muso. Like my first gig of quitting alcohol, um, I rocked up to a New Year's Day festival, and everybody was on it and on everything else. Yeah, um, and. Um, <laughs> they were just partying and that was my first day of of my new pledge wow. and then a, an Aussie summer followed playing wineries and beer festivals and yeah all sorts of different versions of piss-ups yeah um, so I had to have a different different kind of sobriety from the start which I had to be 
it was really good for me how it worked out. I just had to launch straight into it. And it's like, okay, you've always thought you need six beers to get on stage. Now you've got none. Now go on stage. Yeah. And it was just like bang on doing yeah. it. Yes. And and you're trying to convince the audience and yourself, this is great. <laughs> no, because everything's about the gig. Yeah. And the gig is the most important thing. And it always has been for me. So like when you get forced into right, like, right, I'm up here. Okay, it's happening. It's almost like you've been forced to give yourself that kind of right attitude to your sobriety on stage, like yeah. straight away, first day. Yeah. Um, and I can remember, you know, like we have a, uh, you know, in music it's your drinks rider. And, um, <laughs> you know, know, obviously that. my drinks rider started as a, a six-pack of um, Cooper's and some green tea in the early days. What was and, the green uh, what was the green tea then, for? Was it just just a bit of just a bit of something else to add into the mix? Yeah, it was all about health and, you know, like um and just a couple of coopers, you know, like I was like a casual drinker. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years from there as things got crazier and that whole route this is, you know, starting back in the early 2000s, getting into the mid and then, you know, I was playing like Falls Festival a lot and all a whole lot of festivals and yeah. started have other, having other band members and different things. And then at one point, Danny rocked up to a, a um, gig in Tassie and she came into the band room. She hadn't, we'd had a kid. So this is probably 15 years ago. We had a kid and, you know, she hadn't been on the road very much and she's like, saw the drinks rider <laughs> she's like what and we had three spirits like big bottles of spirits it was like vodka um jack daniels and rum and then bottle of red bottle of white and um a slab of beer wow and it was a lot to get through <laughs> wow. and she's that like, is a lot to get through <laughs> it's what you guys have been doing every night and we're like, oh, yeah, hmm, maybe we should dial it back a bit, try and be more pro, but it didn't last long. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So I'm kind of starting um, us end up here because I'm fascinated, as I mentioned, I think before we started recording, I don't have any good love music, but don't even have any musical playing bones in my body. Um, like, were you nervous about when you stopped drinking and because I imagine it's part of, as you were explaining, it's part of the whole gig kind of experience. Like, did you have that typical artist thing where you thought it was going to fuck with your creativity and were you nervous about that stuff to stop drinking for that reason, like your energy on stage or just your ability to kind of perform? Like, did you have any fears about that stuff? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought you couldn't go on stage without drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, it's so funny, but looking back now, I almost had this religious thing about it, like, that's against music. <laughs> you can't go on stage without drinking. What are we, fucking accountants? Yeah. You know, like I, rem I remember, um, I've just been writing a bit of a chapter in a book Danny and I are writing, and I remember I was like living in Melbourne. This is like before I got on the road touring, um, like I ended up getting way worse for drinking. But even in the early days, I remember a mate saying, oh, you know, it's a hazard of drink of um, 
of playing music and you don't see accountants or builders, you know, have a beer before work. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, but this isn't a job. I'm going to get a beer. This is music. This isn't a job. This is a life, you know, this is, no. And honestly, honestly, and in those days it was all like, um, in the early days too, you were always, it was very rare to not even smoke cigarettes, like stuff yep. like that was just everybody was smoking inside. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just arrive to a venue, go to the cigarette machine, get a pack of ciggies, get a pint, <laughs> and away you go, you're not starting. And uh, I was a real, like, I was grew up in a teetotal household. Like, really? Yeah. I played soccer a lot, and I, I really wanted to be a, professional soccer player <laughs> yeah so I grew up in a world that had nothing to do with any of that stuff yeah and then when I got into music it was just like this crazy other world and you know like somebody offers you a joint in the set break you just can't say no yeah and you know, or like there was just no backing away <laughs> from anything and then but it was it still wasn't out of control or anything at wow. first, but then yeah. when, so then that was me in Melbourne touring around and stuff. And you're from Melbourne? Melbourne? And making a living from it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like in the inner city and it was in an era when you could almost be professional just by playing different residencies around town and you could live in there. And then I also had a day job and um, I was like gigging four nights a week working and then I started touring and once I'd done a few years of that and it started that whole roots thing exploded and like I was saying the festivals and everything started to everything got bigger and bigger that's when probably the rider started to expand and expand and uh, it was just like party party and then you know then you're flying everywhere and you're always drinking on the plane you're in airport lounges and you're always <laughs> drinking the free I, I, I never went past anything free and the free drinks and didn't have a couple and then i would always be like if i was doing an international flight i'd be in that Qantas club where you mix your own spirits and just pouring heaps of different things (laughs) and drinking these really yeah so there was a lot of drinking that went on yeah interesting and so um, i just thought no this you know drink equals fun you know so i'm gonna have more fun yeah it's interesting so like it sounds like, I don't know, but it sounds like you're just kind of not, maybe not, but just walking around drunk like a lot of the time. And is it kind of <laughs> almost like that? <laughs> as things went on, you know, it, this is la- as things got later and later in my career, yeah, it was just more, yeah, it was like binge. I, I never like, I never woke up and had a beer in the morning. Yeah. But it was like, okay, you're at sound check, you're having a beer. Sound yeah. checks at, you know, in, at four. Yeah. And then you have a few before you play. And then you have a few after. Yeah. And then you roll into bed. And then, you, you know, it's just a, a cycle that just keeps on going. And like, you get drunk at the first gig. Yeah. Well, that means the next one you have to because you have to fight fire with fire. So then you get through four nights of that. Yeah. And then I'd get home and Danny would crack out a bottle of white wine or something. And then, yeah, so there was a lot of drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So my initial question is like, 
you hear the lifestyle and you think, yeah, like I can see how alcohol kind of becomes a problem or whatever. Was Is that what you attribute your alcohol problems to or is there anything deeper that you kind of attribute, you know, um, the excessive drinking to or is it or is it more just a consequence of like that, yeah, rock and roll kind of lifestyle that you had? That's a really interesting question. Yeah. And um, Danny often argues with me and says I'm deluding myself because sometimes <laughs> I think – look no further than the lifestyle, yep. you know, like because even in everything I do, even in my sobriety, I'm not very moderate in my sobriety. Like when I went, got sober, I went hard on that. I go hard on, I like to go hard and like everything I do, I really get into it. Yep. So it's it's no surprise to me that I got into alcohol like that. And one thing I found liberating actually and I read it in a book. Uh, what was that book? Maybe it was in The Naked Mind right. where um, she talked about people who have an addictive personality. And yeah. she talked about her dad. She never knew he had been a big drinker, but everything he did, he did really full on. So when he quit, he just did that full on. Mm. But when he was a drinker, he was a full on drinker. And that's what I was like. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I am like as a person. So I kind of think to myself, look no further than that. That will give you an alcohol problem because you just, I, like I didn't contemplate um, letting up. I didn't want to and I didn't. And then I feel like when I wanted to, I did pull up. So in a sense, I'm not sure I was hiding trauma or uh, I kind of think look no further than that, but maybe I was. Mm. Yeah, no, it's you interesting. Know, I don't know. And that's kind of part of why we have these conversations with people is because I I actually like I actually think like yeah there is a high rate of people that have um, challenging stuff go on in their life that can be attributed to you know substance problems but I think that there is like a large amount of people kind of like what you're describing whether it's like lifestyle or just it becomes like a habitual habit that just kind of keeps perpetuating, getting out of control. And like, that is the reason, you know, for it. Um, and sometimes I get a bit worried about when the conversation is always just about traumatic stuff or hard stuff. Cause then if people don't feel like they have that, they can feel like excluded from the conversation and maybe not get help when they need it or support or whatever it is, you know? Um, yeah. 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 It's a great point you make. I really do think that's a good point. Yeah. And it needs to be made. Like, look no further. I, 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 I feel like, yeah, it could be other stuff. But if you just look, I got this thing supplied all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then I would sit on planes and drink copious amounts of alcohol for free. Now, you might say a more sensible person wouldn't have done that. Agreed. <laughs> but it's just my, that is in my personality. Yeah, to do that, and I wasn't really in it for um, trying to do the right thing or whatever, and yeah. that was a big barrier to me quitting. Like, also, like because uh -huh. I still see myself as that same person, yeah. Um, and uh, I had to reframe it in my mind because this is one of the biggest. I'm sort of jumping topics here, but one of the biggest Good. troubles is also both Danny and I. We saw ourselves as drinkers. Yeah. And we thought people who didn't drink were boring yeah, or didn't party were boring. And um, you really, I think if you can change that, 
then that's that's actually the biggest issue where you say, well, how can my, whether I think I'm, I don't know what it is. There's a wildness to being fucked up and okay. drinking and doing whatever. There's a wild looseness to it. And that might attract you. There's something I like about that or like that idea of, I don't give a fuck. I'm just having a good time. I like, I still like that idea, <laughs> yeah. but I had to change it in my mind, but hang on a minute. It's not, you're really not being very radical to be yeah. getting drinking every night. Like it's expected. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you're not, you've done it all. Yeah. You know, it might've been interesting when you were 15 or something yeah. or maybe 22, but now you're 40. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, is there anything rebellious about you repeating that same night over and over again and not improving at your craft? It's a great you point. Know? So, yeah, so that's how I had to start looking at it to say, no, there's nothing particularly wild about this, man. You're yeah. actually conforming by just being another trash bag, an old rock dog. I, I remember um, the support acts came and hung out with me after a gig. And, um, and of course I was drinking away and carrying on and they, they were having a couple, but a lot less than me. And then they wanted a photo with me and they took a photo with me and I saw the photo the next day and I saw this, I get this look like this. Oh, I used to get this look like that sort of when I was drunk. Like, roo, roo, roo. <laughs> and, uh, it just looked like these young cats with their whole life in front of them with this seedy old rock dog. <laughs> and uh, I was like, ah, that's not cool. Um, and I started to think, uh, you know, this is, this is old, this is done, you know. And, and I realized also like the world that I came into and I play blues music. So like yep. it was already a throwback kind of thing. Even yep. when I was young, I was like a throwback. And it's just, it was a really old school scene that I went into and they used to go super hard. And, um, yeah, it's just like I just started to think of that as something of the past. And, you know, when you're in your 40s, it's not, it's it's so not fresh and so not, uh, to me it's not cool to be just getting fucked up all the time. Yeah, It's more, to me, it's much more fresh and much more almost youthful in a way to be keeping fit, to be improving at your craft, to be meditating, to be having ice baths, to be doing Wim Hof breathing. You know, yep. that's to me more exciting sounding than just getting fucked up again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that whole identity piece, isn't it, about how it shifts. So I'm interested to know, so how did you get to that point? Like take us back to some of the real dark, I imagine, that there was like a real dark, the real dark times at the end of it all that maybe helped. Like, what was it that pushed you over the edge to go? Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drink like this anymore. I'm gonna, gonna change things up in my life. I was sick of being the drunkest guy at the party, yeah, and um, just making a goose of myself. They're like, la, la, la. the other thing is like, um, I uh, have a really massive head and a, a literally just not even figuratively literally have a big mouth. So like in my singing, 
Um, I would have been great in the old days before they even had PAs because I've got a very loud voice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not even a really advantage. It's not an advantage anymore because we have mics. Mics, yeah. <laughs> but um, so when I drink, I start to shout. Oh, 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 and it's like, ugh. And I just think about some of the, the old days and just go, ugh. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so many times it's like coming unstuck, getting too drunk, um, yeah. you know waking up and you know there was one time um it was could have been my 40th birthday party or my 39th or something that I kind of came unstuck and got up in the night and I think I tried to pee on the floor in the middle of the night and I think my kids saw me really drunk then and that was like oh my god yeah and this feeling there's this really out of control feeling where so one part of you just loves drinking and partying and then there's another part of you there's always been that part of me that is like pro and hard working and a good family man and whatever and loves you know doing fitness stuff and whatever so those two are fighting and um so you start to think about yourself in third person and and put in little rules to try and control yourself yeah and um you get this thing where um you sort of can make it happen and it's actually not that damaging half the time and you're doing pretty well with it. And you get like, say into a gig, I'd get my same kind of run up into the gig, certain amount of beers. And then, and then I don't know if you can identify that with that, with substances, you sort of get it right. And it's not great that you're doing it, but you're sort of getting away with it. And then all you need is one thing to change. Like it's a birthday or somebody drops around with some champagne before something happens, or you meet an old friend and they come and say, oh, actually, I've been drinking whiskey lately and I think it's not as fattening, so let's just drink straight whiskey. Or some new factor changes, and then the steam train picks up a head of steam earlier and goes, and it's sort of like because you don't have a break, it just runs out of control. And that feeling that like, oh, no, I'm going to a wedding tonight, Uh, I hope I don't fuck up. You know, like that it's not your choice, that something can go wrong and you sort of hope you don't go too far. You don't want to go too far, but you might. Yeah. That was just really unsettling, you know. Um, Scary, isn't it? Scary not to trust yourself. It's very – it's scary, yeah. It is very scary and – that's why I quit from binge drinking and going too far. And um, and uh, I think if anyone's listening to this and they're on the fence, just think about all the other things that you want to achieve in your life. And when you take this, will I, won't I, will I control myself tonight, won't, won't I, when you take that off the table, you can relax. Mm. That's the best thing about it. You're like, oh, thank fuck I don't have to think about that anymore. Mm. it's just like i made one decision oh yeah i'm gonna quit drinking now i don't have to make 20 decisions a week yeah will i have this beer or won't i or i'll just drink mids oh no that's boring so let's you know none of that it's just like one decision bang oh i don't drink um i had a really important moment um i was on one of these aussie rock kind of bills like barnsey was on top of the bill and (laughs) it was all those kind of oz rock kind of acts so a bit of a beer swilling kind of crowd and um, they had all tents 
and they were doing the band riders. And this was like maybe two weeks in or something from, it was probably in January um, when I first quit. And I heard them asking my sound guy, oh, what is Ash one on the rider? And he said, oh, Ash doesn't drink. And I was like, wow, I don't drink. Like it just sort of hit me that it's not a big, the way he said it, yep. it was like I'd always not drunk. He was just, he, I realized how much he didn't give a fuck whether I drank or not. Yeah. And it wasn't some big explanation. I'd been giving people these long explanations. Yeah. And it's like, no one cares. It's just like, yeah, you're not drinking. Okay, cool. Why don't you drink? Oh, you know, got the better of me. Fuck. I like it too much. Whatever. It's not, no, no one cares, you know. And I just realized, oh, you could just say, I don't drink. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And I thought it was such a big deal. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting you say that. Like, uh, I'm interested to know what was the, so, so you were sick of like having, I guess, like the morning after guilt and shame and just weren't, sounds like you weren't particularly kind of proud of, yeah, just like how you're acting or whatever when, when you're drinking, like what was the conversation or was there a moment with Danny or was there a, just on your own? like where you just really went, I'm not, like I'm going to stop drinking. Like was that a real conscious thing or did you just get up one day and just kind of went, yeah, I'm not going to like do this anymore. Like how did that kind of happen? Because um, I believe like you didn't go to like a rehab or anything like that, did you, to like stop drinking? Yeah. Uh, so what happened was, so I must have been, I was pretty bad because I had also just – before we quit, I'd made a pledge to not drink at gigs. So there'd been many times along the way where there'd been breaks, enforced breaks. And um, even once you're starting to do that, you know, you probably, that's probably a good time to quit actually when you're doing that because you're you're saying, I'll I'll quit now so I don't have to quit forever. But really you probably should maybe face, maybe you do need to quit forever. But anyway, um, Danny said, oh, she wanted to, I want to quit for a year. I'm going to quit for a year. And I'm like, what? That's that's insane. That's really excessive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, and then I thought, well, I thought, well, do what you want. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not drinking a gig, so I don't need to quit. And then I thought, "Uh, maybe I went, I can't remember if I went away and said I wasn't going to or whether this all happened within one conversation, but then I just thought about it. Thought, ah, I'm pretty much worse than her. Um, this is not going to be good. Like, because we'd already both, when we were on the phone to each other, been trying to sound not drunk to each other. Yeah, which is so lame <laughs> <laughs> and, and a, a really boring. Oh, how are you? Oh, oh that's good and not saying much and stuff on the phone so you don't sound so drunk. So I thought, how's this going to play out? If she's not drinking, she's going to be on to me. <laughs> um, so I just thought, ah, okay, I'll do it. And then I thought, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, you know what? I have had a drink before. You know, I do know what it's like yep. to drink. <laughs> it's, it's not like, you know, because you sort of act when you quit. It's like, oh, it's this big deal and whatever. And you think, well, the only unexplored territory, I don't think there's any drink I haven't had. And there's no drink I haven't had a night on. Like, so 
come to think of it, probably the most interesting thing I could do is see what it is like to not drink. Um, so I just started to change the way I looked at it. And I can do that thing. Like I can be, I'm generally think, I generally think of myself as completely undisciplined, but obviously some things I, I pick and choose and some things I'm really full on on, like once I make my decision. So I was never going to, once I said, oh, let's do it for a year, I was never going to break it. And uh, I was going to just drink as soon as that year finished. Christmas, I was into it. And then we came towards Christmas and Danny said, you know what, I don't think I'm going to drink. And I said, well, I only made a deal for a year, so I am. And then as it came closer, I was just looking at my life yeah. and I'd written a book in that time and I got super fit and I was really working hard on um, – Oh, like I play guitar and I was working really hard on this bit more of the shred Hendrixy kind of element of it. And um, I was really enjoying yep. that. And there were so many areas of my life had improved. I was like, you know what, why would I? Well, I can't risk that I will, you know, go back to the old ways. Yeah. Um, hey, I've just lost your video there for a sec. Can you still see me? Yeah. Yeah, Let's I just lost you there for a second back, and you sounded a bit like a um live video or return when the in, when their internet improves. Does it say the internet's got a good connection? Let me check. Um, I could go ask people to get off streaming stuff on my end. Do you want me to do that? Sorry, I can't even hear what you're saying. It's coming through as like a bit alien. Um, sorry, dude. Should I try something else? Can you see yeah, me? Do you have like a, oh, it's a pain in the ass. Do you have like a hotspot or something like that? Yeah, on my phone. Yeah, I'll try yeah, that. yeah. Just maybe, maybe that might work. Or sorry, man. No, sorry, sorry to you. Let's try this. Um, it'll just flip over. Oh, back! I can How's see that? now. Okay, that's on the phone. A bit fuzzy, but I can see you. Awesome. Sorry, dude. Sorry. They say... So I kind of... Uh, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, that's all right. I just said I'm sorry <laughs> about my reception. <laughs> um, no, no, no. It's all good. I, I got... um Before it started going crackly, um, I heard that you and Danny were like talking to each other on the phone, pretending not to be drunk to each other. I think that's what you said. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and then it kind of cut out and then it kind of cut out. So I might just restart it. Um, okay. I might just restart it, ask you that question again. Um, sorry, because okay. it, was, it was good stuff. But um, so three, two, one. Uh, welcome back, everybody. We just disappeared into an internet black hole there for a second. Um, so I apologize if it's clunky. It's a conspiracy. That's right. It is. I definitely think it is. The, They're the, trying to stop the, the info. 
Yeah. That's right. And they, they don't want people to be sober. The fucking big alcohol companies have infiltrated yeah. this recording system. <laughs> and they want people to drink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you were, you were saying, like, I, I asked you just before, um, like, take us back to the moment that you stopped, like, that you decided to stop drinking. And you were saying that, yeah, your uh, wife, I think it is, or partner, Danny, like, said that she was going to stop for a year. Is that right? And you you kind of thought that you were worse than her, so you thought that you should too. Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm not going to get away with it if she's sober because as it was, we used to sometimes be drunk on the phone to each other and pretending that we weren't and she'd pick me up like, geez, you sound so drunk. Why are you so drunk, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so right. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And she'd get on to me. Um, so, you know, That's I was just like, yeah, no, this is just going to be a nightmare. So yeah. then I thought more about it and I thought, you know what, maybe it is a good idea because it was always the chink in my armor. I thought, because, you know, like, and I don't know, maybe some people who are listening to this could get some imp- inspiration from this. Like, I guess they have that little phrase functioning alcoholic. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, cause I was doing pretty well with things in life and my career and everything. So you kind of think, ah, well, I'm doing all right. (laughs) You know, but deep down, I always thought that's the thing that I really need to change. And I was like, then I'd always go, yeah, that drinking thing, I really need to improve that. But what else can I do? Because I'm not going to change that. And then so finally when I did, I think there was a part of me that was really relieved um, yeah. to go, okay, I'm finally doing it because it was probably a decade too late. Oh, like it should have happened a decade earlier. Um, yeah. So, you know, there was a part of me that was relieved and, um, you know, you just know, like, you know, how cool would it to be, how cool would it be to know that you're never going to fuck up again? Like in that yeah. way. <laughs> You know, so, um, and it was cool. And what I didn't realize was, you know, and I kind of say this to people, you know, like think what you have achieved in your life, even though you were doing X, Y, and Z, and you still did this, this, and this. Because some people, you know, you still did pretty well for yourself in whatever you wanted to do in life. Imagine if you quit, how much bandwidth you have how much health you have. You just have so many more hours. You have It's almost like you double your time, your money goes up, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Um, you know, even for the certain amount of fitness work you do, you'll get more benefit. You know, like there's just so many things. So I like that mm. first year when I quit, I was on fire. It was like I was on a, I used to say, it's like I'm on this pill called straighties or something that makes you happier. <laughs> makes you smarter, makes you richer, <laughs> does a lot for you. Yeah. So was that what it kind of encouraged you to keep going was just like all the good stuff that was happening as a result? Totally. Like I say, I, I wrote a book in that time and, you know, yeah, like I like surfing and stuff like that as well. So I was there hanging out with Kelly Slater in his house interviewing him and Steph Gilmore and I was interviewing Jack Johnson and all these people and all of those people, it was also at that same time, like these people weren't trash bags, yeah. you know? So 
and I sort of started to learn a bit about trying to manifest better things for yourself and whatever. And it didn't, I didn't mean it to be that way, but, um, it all coincided with writing that book. So I was learned. I think whenever you write a book, you learn a lot about what you're writing about. Yep. And um, it just really got me on that path. And, you know, that's that was the year I picked up um, Wim Hof breathing and stuff like that as well and just a whole lot of health things. And uh, I was just like flying. Yep. Yep. So and what year I was this? I didn't really want to give that up. Well, it was six years ago, whatever that is. <laughs> Um, yeah, 19 maybe no before that 17 18 um yeah and uh and, you know i really and, got my career in a really good place too after that my music career yeah. um yeah and you know because it hadn't been going that well before then we were living in bali and i was just like coming back to australia and i'd see people on the plane they go oh ash i love your stuff are you still playing <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah <laughs> just out of the way festivals, little council festivals and, you know, and different things that I was doing, but just I, I wasn't really releasing albums and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, when I quit, I, I, I did a lot of, um, a lot of work on my playing and my singing and just, I don't know, like there was so much spare time to do so much different self-improvement stuff. So I just sort yeah. of did it all. I was pretty regimented, like journaling a lot and, you know, doing stuff. So I kind of felt like I was on fire in that, especially in that first year, I, you know, like six years down the track, I'm still getting the benefits of it, but it's not novel anymore yeah. because it's just me. It's but just in that life. first year, yeah. you've, you're comparing it to the year before. So you're like, whoa, yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you still do all that stuff in your life now or is some of the practices and stuff tapered off like, you know, like all the Wim Hof stuff, all the journaling, like is that kind of just become a part of you and like your daily practices and who you are and stuff like that? Um, yes, uh, although I've had a few periods of letting it go and letting myself go. Like <laughs> like I yeah. uh, like physically I, I got so really fit but we were living in bali and stuff and like there was 10 kilos that that i lost straight away and then yeah. i've kind of like over the next five or six years put them back on yeah. but um uh so some of the things i still get in ice baths occasionally and i still do the breathing the wim hof breathing but like i haven't been as disciplined as i was in that first year and i tell you what i really do feel it every time I've let that journaling thing go as well I'm mm -hmm. not as on and um, I picked the journaling up a again a couple of months ago and sometimes I'll let it slide for a month or so but when it, it just makes a massive difference whenever I pick it back up it just gets me bang you know on yeah on target and uh, it just makes you just work through your life sort of methodically and do the things that you want to do in your life. Yeah. And it's just so awesome. Like a lot of the answers you have yourself, you just need to put pen to paper. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting, man. Super interesting. So you, so you've never done like mm. anything in the, well, I don't want to assume, but it sounds like a lot of this stuff that you've done has been like, I don't know whether you call it like self healing kind of things that you've found in yourself, self development stuff. Like, have you, have you, did you ever go and do any like traditional, I don't know, counseling or anything like that 
Well, no, I didn't, but I should preface it. I've always been into that stuff, like yep. their self-development stuff. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I didn't realize it. I had this little paradigm where it's like, yeah, I do these bad things, but I do these good things to make up for it. So yeah. there was a lot of that that went on. Yeah. Um, so when I stopped drinking, I was still doing those good things and doing more of them. So it just really got me on the path. I always say, and I did write about this in my book, that it was like I was I was trying to run up a mountain and I'd always been doing it with rocks in my backpack. Yeah. But then I took the rocks out of my backpack and I was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> it was so yeah. light and easy. <laughs> yeah. You don't realize, like, say, with alcohol, like you're doing all this self-development stuff and you don't realize that, like, say, trying to manifest something really good in your life, that you've got this impediment that you've always got a hangover and you're not thinking about that aspirational thought of how to get to the next level. You're thinking, how do I get to bed with some Netflix and some hot chips or whatever? So yeah. when I got rid of all of that, I found I really took off. So I guess that's my long answer to the question of I, I, I didn't really feel I needed any counselling or anything. I was just frothing. So yeah, for me, it wasn't so much. I didn't have like, dark times of like where I really had to face up to the thing that I've been crushing down or something like that some people do. And that's, that's awesome. Um, for me, it's just like a weight that had been pressing down on my chest was lifted. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing I should say is cause it sounds like utopia that what I'm saying is, I'm not saying there weren't times that I didn't feel like a beer in the hot sun, you know, yeah. or or times where everybody was drinking at the gig and uh, or, you know, there, there's obviously times when you're triggered and you think, oh, a drink would be nice or whatever. But I just, I had a different perspective on that. I just thought, yeah, that's part of quitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I 100%. thought to myself also like, yeah, and I thought to myself, if I think that's bad, if I think craving a drink is like a problem, yeah, then it's almost like it has even more power over me. Like, yeah, it's not like feeling like a drink is going to jump out and make you start sculling, you know, vodka. It's like yeah. it's okay to feel <laughs> like a drink. You know, you used to drink all the time. So now occasionally you're going to feel like, oh, something's missing or something. Yeah, that's part of it, yep. you know. Yep. So that was my sort of perspective on it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the thing that I am interested to ask you because even like so we have like a little thing where we work with people and stuff like that and I guess we do have like some counsellors that do counselling with people and all that. But interestingly, the thing that – that we find that people find the hardest to change is, you know, that that stuff that you were talking about earlier, which is like their lifestyle and sort of like most people have sort of built, yeah, whether it's music or whatever they're doing, like their life around alcohol or whatever substance it is. And it's kind of hard to like branch out and 
put boundaries in place with a do new habits and routines, find new friends, stuff like that. Like, was that really hard? Was that a hard thing for you to do considering that that was your like lifestyle and what kind of stuff did you do to, I don't know, circumnavigate that stuff, you know, with your drink rider and, you know, all the stuff going on at gigs. Like, yeah. Did, did you have to really think hard about the things that you implemented in your lifestyle to make that change? Hmm. No, I think it was that thing of like, I made it really simple. Like I'm just not, yeah. I'm not going to drink. So if I feel like a drink, that's cool. If I don't feel like a drink, that's cool. I'm just not going to have a drink. So it doesn't matter what I think. Um, yeah. So like, I didn't want to make it. I, I went on this little narrative um, to myself of saying, as a technique, as a as a as a mental technique, it wasn't always literally true. But as a mental technique, I'm going to say it's easy. So yep. I, oh, it's easy. I'm not going to have a drink. And then like, oh yeah, but I feel like one. Well, that's cool. I can feel like one, but I'm just <laughs> not going to have one. And yep. Such a <laughs> it's good easy point, to actually. not have one. It's not always easy to yeah. It's easy to not go like this. Go, 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 go. But it, it it might be like that you feel like one, but that's okay. You can feel like one, just don't have one. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. And I was like, well, if you're doing that, you're winning. And and like also, how good is it? You didn't do a hundred sit ups. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You just didn't have a drink, and you achieved something because that's the biggest achievement you could be making, is yeah. not doing the thing that shit for you. Yeah. So like I was looking at it like that. Um. Yeah, but uh, I I guess I took alcohol off the rider, but sometimes people made mistakes. And, and to this day, uh, on the weekend, you know, there were uh, there was a fridge and I said, oh, is, did you get any alcohol-free beers? And sometimes they're like, you're really thirsty and they're just like, nah, but we got you these beers. And it's like, okay, you've got a whole lot of alcoholic beers. Okay, I can't have that. Um <laughs> I just, honestly, I look at it and it doesn't annoy me at all. It's just like, it's like I don't see it. Um, yeah. It 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 just, I, it's just like, yeah, I don't drink. I don't know. It's it's something really went click. It, but yeah. it went click. It took a few months to go click, really. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have to do like, you know, because some people like musicians when they quit, nobody's allowed to drink around them and like. Yeah. I even heard Van Morrison, he became a real asshole when he quit drinking. I heard, sorry to Van Morrison if he ever sees this, but um, <laughs> his driver in Europe, oh, I was touring in Switzerland and the, his driver was saying he wouldn't let en- any of his crew drink and any of his band members. And then he came back on another tour and the audience wasn't allowed to drink. <laughs> and I, uh, uh, so I that was that weird. I, I'm not like yeah. that. I said to, yeah, I said to everybody around me, drink, you know, just get drunk. And like I said to my band members and everything. But considering that I'm sort of like the boss, like I think they didn't want to. Like you probably don't want the boss to go sober and then you're there getting smashed. No yeah. one ever really did get too drunk around me after that, but I never had to ask. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And that probably speaks to like, having some cool, cool people around you. But um, yeah, that's a funny story. Uh, the audience can't drink. Couldn't imagine that. So 
it's it's kind of interesting, right? Like I've actually loved talking to you about it because I just like I just really like the kind of candid, practical approach that you've had to it, and that you feel like yeah, there's been no real like dark shadows or I don't know whatever you want to call them that have been like waiting there for you because in actual fact there's like lots of people that I speak to that have that feel like that as well and like I said earlier it's actually something that like prevents people from getting getting help because they think like well I don't actually like yeah I've got this thing that's going on but I actually don't like cocaine's a big one for that too like I talk to heaps of people that do cocaine like a lot but they're like, no, there's like nothing really wrong in my life other than this thing. Like I don't want to be doing this anymore, but I don't really feel like I have trauma or any sort of like deep-seated thing that I have to tackle. Um, and yeah, like just just hearing other people's experiences like really helps, you know, um, to get people in that right frame. So it's it's been really interesting. Um, I know this is like a really generic thing, but if people talk to you now, like six years down the track about it, what do you tell them about like giving up alcohol? Like what's, if you want to call it that, like what's your advice or what, what do you sort of say? Are like some of the big things that people have to think about in order to, to start making changes in their, in their life or, you know, or, or do you even just say, Hey, this is just my experience. <laughs> you know, This is what I did. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's just my experience. And like, if they want to know, yeah, I can only tell my story and I'm not on some outreach program to tell other people to do it, but I froth hard on it. Like, you know, yeah, I'm excited about it. Like, I love it. Like, as much as I loved drinking and frothed on it for a while, and then yeah. it became a mixed blessing after a while. And then I was like, ooh. I'm the same about sobriety. I I love it. Um, yeah. And it, it's been the best thing for me. I feel like you age backwards. You know, it's a really good thing to do when you get a bit older, especially. But then the same thing, if you can get onto it earlier, as in get onto sobriety, yeah. um, then you've got a secret weapon. Um, and I like to think of it like that in positive terms. Yeah. Like if you even the way I said that there, I heard myself saying, and I'm like, yeah, that that's cool. If you can get onto it, it's like yeah. seeing it as a secret and a yeah. little a little hack. Because let's face it, like it's kind of like drugs and alcohol and whatever. I mean, I don't like to all all drugs aren't the same, um, yeah. so I don't like to lump them all in together. And like, there's a big difference between coke and meth and. Um, psychedelics and stuff like that but like it's almost expected when you're in a certain group so mm-hmm. you know the the quicker you can get onto something onto onto sobriety the better i think but it's just it depends you know some people i'll tell you this is an, another experience i have people come to me and say yeah man i've been drinking too much and you know blah 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 and i'm like well how much do you drink and they tell me and after a while i'm like, what am I listening to here? You don't have a problem. <laughs> That's nowhere near as bad as me. <laughs> um, or, or like, I can't advise on that. I think that's just a mild health thing, what you're talking about, Yeah, you know. Yeah. That, so everybody's different, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I, I like what you said. I, I, I agree what you said about the, I do think that myself sometimes like, yeah, maybe there's some deep seated things, but like, yeah, like you say with Coke, it's a very Moorish drug and yeah. people get into a habit of it. And I yeah. was into, I just think the habit element to substances is huge. Yeah. And um, it's very easy for you to start doing it too much. The habit grows, you know, yeah. so for people to keep it simple and say, oh, yeah, I'm over it. I, I, it's just addictive. I'm, I'm over it. And it's as simple as that. I think that's cool. That, that's, that's right. Quite motivating for some people. And you've got to find, and I think this is what you're saying, and I'm telling you what works for me, you yeah. know, and, and what makes sense to me. It's different for different people. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I've found that as well. Uh, it's it's actually. I'm pretty sure it's like a psychological principle. But you can, you can sort of like unexpectedly build something up in your head as well about like how hard it's going to be by like making it like you said like bigger than it than it has to be. Sometimes you know. Again, I'm not saying that for everyone. I understand people listening might have some other issues that are impacting it. I get it, but. But for yeah, a lot of people, massive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for a lot of people, there isn't as well. And, and sometimes by just having that framework that you just said, like, hey, this is like biochemically, it fucks with your brain and changes like the chemical function that's going on, which makes it super addictive and the natural function of like this thing and culturally and whatever. So like if I just decide that I'm not doing it, like that can be that can be enough and it doesn't have to be anything more than that you know um yeah super interesting man true super interesting so what about just quickly like i'm interested have you noticed in the music scene um or just like more broadly with other stuff that you're into have you noticed like more and more people kind of going alcohol free and doing more like sobriety stuff or do you reckon it's still kind of the same (laughs) the same jam where everybody's just sinking them (laughs) it's totally changed in my view i reckon it's changed so much and i reckon i was out of sync with the change (laughs) like (laughs) i thought everybody was just i kind of thought yeah i drink more than other people but everyone's doing it and uh when i stopped you know we were still living in bali and i'm looking at these like young cats with like you know tats and they might be wearing a bing tang t-shirt and I'm thinking, right, they're going to be there. I remember seeing this couple there and I'm and I'm just sitting there in the same place where I always used to order, you know, this drink and a beer as well and this and that. And they're just on their way to their Bali holiday and they're not even drinking. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow, jeez. I'm looking around and everybody's not getting fucked up all the time. But I thought yeah. they were, you know. Um, so... And that's just general people like going on a Bali holiday. And I'm not saying people don't get slaughtered in Bali, but I did, I was surprised how much actually statistically people weren't and I had it wrong. (laughs) And then um, in the music industry, yeah, it's changed heaps. Like there's still, you know, a couple of young bands in a couple of scenes, kind of scenes that are known for, you know, that, that, that it's all about being a trash bag. But yeah, it's, I feel like it's completely different. Yeah, I feel like it's changed a lot, and it's it's not the thing. It's there's so much, so many more dimensions to life than there were twenty years ago. <laughs> I don't know. 
and um, also people's behavior. There's such a microscope on people's behavior. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just, it's, it's not as loose as it was, you know, yeah. and, um, and I don't think it's as cool as it was. And there's also more expected of people like, you know, you kind of expected to have it together. You need to have it together more. Like even if you think about how much, you know, you've got a computer in your pocket 24-7 and you're yeah, doing stuff crazy. on that and you're like on social media. You weren't, you know, 20 years ago, you weren't just blasting out to the whole world constantly and, you know, you've got your own media agency in your pocket now. Everybody does. So we're just more... um we're more accountable these days. So it, it probably makes less sense to be completely loose the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> I agree with you. Like I noticed that <clears throat> if I go out and I say like, I'm not drinking when I first stopped drinking like 10, 10 years ago or whatever it was, um, people would always ask me like, you know what I mean? And then I'd be like, fuck. And then you kind of have yeah. to have like a story ready and shit like that. Um, but now people yeah. are just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like they don't even care, you know. Um, and I think more and more people yeah, are doing it's it. Not it's a cool. deal. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And like those, uh, those non, and they, all those non-alc beers, they're so like good. the fastest growing category of beer. You know, yeah. it's like non-alcohol is the biggest alcohol category, <laughs> or the That's fastest right. growing. That's so, right. You know, That's funny. I yeah, have a couple cool. of. Bi- I have a couple of business pages on that I just watch dudes, business dudes on YouTube or whatever it is. I can't remember. And they're all talking about not for the health benefits as like a business opportunity, the the non-alcoholic drink industry and just kind of, yeah, as you said, just saying how fast it, it grows and stuff like that. So even that's interesting, right? Like so when I first like non-alcoholic beers, I don't think they were a thing. Maybe there was like one or two out maybe. Um, But yeah, like even that, like if you were like in sort of recovery circles and you said like, I'm not drinking, I'm drinking non-alcoholic beers, people would like kind of like jump down your throat. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But now like, yeah, like it's, did you have to deal with any of that? Like, did you, did you kind of talk about this stuff? Well, you just said that you did like in the first year, did you ever like talk about this stuff out loud on, um, you know, online and stuff like that. Like I know Danny does the I quit alcohol stuff. I don't know if you do anything with that, but you know, did you have any like negative feedback from people about how you were going? No, about I don't. It I, I, well, I still, I'm still self-conscious about that. I try and keep the world separate. Like I'd go on Danny's podcast, especially when she was first starting out um, a lot. And we're writing a book together um, about the subject yep. But I play mainly at wineries, breweries, you know, and so I've got a fine line there. And, yeah, um, yeah I don't ever, ever preach about it. And I yeah. certainly don't preach about it at a gig. Um, and I think that's been good for me on a personal level too because I'm, I'm not in any turmoil about it. Like I think I feel really good. I don't really even... I tell you what, I mean, people getting sideways and just repeating themselves at the merch stand is tedious. Like when you're signing afterwards, I must admit yeah. that's tedious. But aside <laughs> from that, I don't, yeah, I just, I don't judge people um, at all. And, you know, 
I wouldn't say I'm the least judgmental person in the world. <laughs> I try to be non-judgmental, but like when it comes to alcohol, I'll probably judge less because I just was in that world so much. And I've been there. I know what it's like. So I, who am I to judge? So yeah. I kind of feel lucky because it's, it's met. It, it, I feel like if you jump from being a piss head to judging people for being piss heads, it's a pretty funny jump. So a hundred percent. You know, it's cool to just say like each to their own and just do what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, I think that's a good note to end it. Um, hey, appreciate you coming on, man. And um, thanks for uh, sticking with me and making sure we, we made it happen. Um, where can people find you, like listen to your music or um, you had a cool bucket hat that you posted the other day, buy things like that. Like where, where do people, where, where's the best place for people to find you? Well, Ash Grunwald or Ash Grunwald, as it's spelled, <laughs> dot com. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Ash Grunwald, the fucking legend. Uh, um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just just there. And that's, that's awesome. Stuff. Go and check it out, people. Uh, have a good Have a good day and peace, everybody.